Welcome to the Time Has Passed Arc 1 Summary, narrated by Varso. When the team arrived in the past on the continent of Lodoran, they were given no time to gather their thoughts before immediately being thrown into action. Within a few moments of arriving in the overgrown landscape, they heard the screams of two young elven children who were actively being eaten by moving plants. After some slight bumbling with their powers, they managed to save the children by casting new magic and using their newfound combat prowess. However, the children seemed about as afraid of the group as they were of the plants, even after they were just saved from the chaos. As the pair led them cautiously to civilization, they generally kept an eye on the party and were rather clear about seeing them as hostile. Doldrin in particular saw their behavior as a mask and forcibly threatened them with death if they turned out to be enemies. After the rest of the group did their best to de-escalate the situation, they discovered that the reason the children were so uncertain was simply because the party used magic. Due to the limited nature of magic in this neck of the woods, regardless of tradition, most practitioners were treated with suspicion and hostility by the general public. They labeled such magic users witches. This is the first taste of a continuing theme for the party, that their status as heroes, while deriving from saving the world, inevitably labels them as outsiders. They must work hard to try to fit into the various societies if they want things to go smoothly. However, despite the party's best intentions, actually applying this lesson across the various jumps becomes increasingly difficult. But that's another story for a later time. During this first jump, Alone, they would have to deal with both fear and general distrust, which was only surpassed in trouble by the assumption that the wilderness would kill them almost as soon as they left town again. As such, they were quickly led by the city guard to whatever business they had in town, the most important of which being arranging a meeting with the town elder. The town elder had a number of issues she was trying to manage, not limited to the sentient plant life. Problems included the spreading of a withering dead zone in the nearby forest that only one hunter had returned from alive, as well as general civil unrest in their isolationist society. When the party offered to help with the strange zone of decay, she accepted only because none of her citizens felt comfortable about approaching the zone. She also saw fit to guide the party towards a certain drunken hunter who, as before mentioned, was the only one that came back from the zone alive. Hunting for clues, the party found this hunter deep into a bottle at the local bar, and tried their best to piece together coherent answers. Long story short, this hunter is suffering from mysterious memory gaps. He knew that at one point he and his daughter, Penella, hunted in the area of the Blight all the time. However, he cannot remember when the land became blighted, or why they went deeper into that area than they ever had before. A strange fog and disorientation caused the two to become separated in that dangerous area, and while he made it out, he could not get the courage to return, knowing that his only remaining family was gone. The party was able to convince him to act as a guide in the morning following to the entrance to the Blight. However, when that time came, the hunter was blacked out. Due to the hostility of the town, the party decided to carry him all the way to the entrance using a little magic and some vague directions. It turns out that when sober, the hunter had zero courage, and despite the party's desire to reunite him with his daughter, 
When the hunter wakes up in the wilderness at the edge of the blight, he decides better of it and returns home. This leaves the party to explore this unique area of the wilderness alone, where they discover giant bees, more evil plants, a badger that Toto would take under his wing and named off, moments of time freezing entirely, an undead Pinello in the middle of the woods, and a giant crater at the center of this madness with a strange glowing staff at its core, and a cave with writing near similar to that of Tangle's statues. The party handled most of the threats well enough, even if they were most uncomfortable with the idea of combat. It was during one of these first fights that Leon got seriously injured, and then during those moments when time was frozen, he was given a vision that his other body, back in the pod, had received matching damage. This proved that if one body died at one time, so did the other. A fact that Doldrin, as the most educated on the mission, kept hidden from the others once he found out, in hopes of maintaining morale. As it was, morale was shaky at the best of times, as everyone tried and often failed to come to terms with their situation and the group dynamics. This group's dynamics became particularly clear at about the halfway point, once the party settled down and made camp for the night. Leon and Toto were beginning to sift through their new memories of being siblings, Tanagol and Lena bonded over their fears and feelings of being outsiders. Tanagol in particular was vocal about not moving forward until they understood more about themselves, which put her in direct opposition to Doldrin, while Mick was more fascinated with the process and the new mysteries as a whole. It was during that night that Penelo's corpse walked through their camp, seemingly attracted to their untainted auras. After some moral back and forth, the party realized they had no way to return her to her father. And so, Leon does his first major act as a cleric of Serenray to put this girl's spirit to rest. This act, while deeply sad, helped solidify the general morale enough that by the next day they made it to the large crater without issue. The crater itself was otherwise empty, save for the ominous staff that was overflowing with Oracalcum. The group reasons this strange magic object must be in some way tied to the calamity in this region, so they approach it with caution. To add weight to their assumptions, the staff appeared to be protected by a wall of psychic energy that stopped the weak-willed from approaching for fear of a brain hemorrhage. Pushing through the wall with aid from the others, Doldrin eventually managed to touch the staff and wrench it free. In the process, he received a vision of chaotic and stormy darkness surrounding the crater, and two figures standing over the ornate weapon. One figure was a man whose features were completely hidden by a hooded white cloak and white gloves. The other figure was an elven woman with a glowing green aura and green hair. Both stood side by side and radiated tremendous power. In the few moments that Doldrin had this out-of-body experience, however, were the few moments it took the floor of the woods to react to the disturbance. Poisonous plant spirits and moving trees the size of redwoods, and with the speed of hedgehogs, descended upon the group. They aimed for anyone who was holding the staff, trying their best to reclaim its power. The party only had to take one crushing blow from a tree to know that if they did not act quickly, they would simply not survive. Leon and Doldrin almost in tandem, realized their only chance was to risk sticking the magic staff in a magic bag of holding they had each found in the future. The problem being, between trying not to die and attempting to stay ahead of their attackers, neither had the time to attempt their plan immediately. Most of the others were busy providing support, and only Tenegal was on the front line with them, and capable of helping them enact this idea and soaking up some damage. Tanagal, however, 
chose to run and leave the front line behind to save their own life. The two followers of Serenay managed to survive and pull off their plan just by themselves before getting cornered. The disappearance of the staff ended up making them invisible to the trees and allowed the group to escape. Things, however, did not calm down after their near brush with death, as Doldrin was beyond furious at Tanigold for their actions. Despite Tanigold's best attempt to explain and rationalize their actions, they reminded the dwarf that despite looking powerful, she was still mentally a teenage girl. He refused to hear it. Doldrin took a misguided swing at Tanigold, missing, but the damage was done. This led to a full breakdown of the party for a moment as they realized they would have to help tend to each other's physical and mental wounds. The separation of the party led to a cave being discovered, a cave with ancient writing that Mick was highly interested in. These ancient writings were, coincidentally, similar to that of Tanical's back tattoo. After resting, studying, and coming back together as a group, they eventually made their way back to the town where this had started. They used the safety of their walls to rest and plan their next move. To that end, they returned a memento of Penelo to her father and met with the village elder a second time, as it was clear they would need help with the artifact. On this second meeting, the village elders seemed to remember even less, but did remember that there is a sacred pond nearby that may serve as a means to purify the dark magic from the staff. With no other leads and no way home with their prize, they decided to investigate this pond as the next step in changing the future. When they arrived at the pond, they were greeted by an emissary of the nature god Arastil, a unicorn. This unicorn explained that the staff they found was actually a powerful relic tied to his lord, and could manage the flora if purified. However, the unicorn had its horn stolen by a large plant golem, and without it, the purification ritual would be near impossible to complete. With no other option, the party set out to reclaim the horn. This battle was far easier, though Tanigal did have a close call, as the group dispatched the beast and quickly returned with their prize. On the way back, though, spurred by a comment from Lena, Tanigal gained enough confidence to reconfront Doldrin and take their own swing at him. This punch landed true and inflicted more mental wounds amongst the party than it did physical. Another round of healing wounds and coming together finally led the party to be one again. But for how long? The trials were not finished yet, though. Not by a long shot. The purification ritual was no easy task, requiring all of the unicorn's attention. Someone sitting in the pool with the staff, and the others doing their best to ward off an elite tactical force of trees wishing to crush them. On several occasions, people almost died, and the unicorn would have failed the ritual towards the end if touched with even a strong breeze. Yet by the will of the gods and the favor of the dice, the party managed to succeed in purifying the staff. And just before they all got crushed to death by trees, the pond teleported the party back to the future, with their prize in hand.